Nehemiah 7 verses 1 to 4. After the wall had been rebuilt and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians and the Levites were appointed. I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hananiah along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel. Because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do, I said to them, The gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers were still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts and some near their houses. Now the city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it and the houses had not yet been rebuilt. As you know, we've been spending the last few weeks going through the, the book of Nehemiah. We're now in, in chapter 7 and, and it seems that the impossible has happened against all the odds, against the opposition, against all the problems. The most unlikely statement has been made by Nehemiah in chapter 1, in, in, in chapter 7, verse 1. It says, after the wall had been rebuilt and I had set the doors in place. It's done. It is done. It's all finally done. The wall's been completed. The gates have been restored and the enemy has been resisted. However, Nehemiah's work is not yet finished. You see, a city, a community, a church, it is more than just walls or gates or houses. It's people. In the first half of this book, the people were called to exist for the sake of the walls. But now the walls must exist for the people. Now it's time to organise the people to enjoy life as God wants us to live. So call here to be worshippers. To spend time in God's presence. To know what it is to come and worship the one and only true God. But also there is this real prophetic sense and this nature within the, the words of this book. So much so that, that even the timing of these chapters just seems so significant to us here in, in Freedom Church. I feel that it's more than just coincidence that we get to this chapter at the very beginning of our first Sunday here in, in, in the city centre of Chester on this first Sunday morning as we take over the responsibility for the use of this building, there is in a sense a feeling that the walls have been completed and the gates have been restored. And it's, it's time for us to rejoice in all that God has done for us and God's favour of getting us to this point. However, the work is not yet over in, in so many ways. It is just beginning. It's three years since we moved to Chester, myself, my wife Rachel and, and Rosie, with a dream of, of planting a church. And I, I had no idea how difficult it was going to be, how both challenging it would be, but also how rewarding it would be at times as well. But today, today we just take a moment to say thank you to God, but also to thank, to thank you guys, those of you who have joined us on this journey, who have sacrificed to, to be with us here, to be committed to the what we're doing here in, in, in Freedom Church. And, in many ways, this is a day of, of new beginnings. So what next? Well, the thing, the first thing that, that Nehemiah does, once the walls have been completed, he gets himself some help. So he appoints leaders, he appoints gatekeepers, he appoints guards. 
Read in verse 2 how one of Nehemiah's first official acts is to appoint two assistants, Hananiah, Nehemiah's brother, and Hananiah, the, the commander of the guards. And these are people that, that Nehemiah trusts to put in charge of the city of Jerusalem while he's not there. He picks these two men for two reasons. They are faithful to God, number one, and they fear God. It's so important that it's so important that we have a healthy fear of God, that we live in awe and reverence of Him, but also that we, we obey Him as well and we live in obedience to God's Word. And the, the Psalm writer says is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if a leader lives in fear of people, then actually things generally just don't go very well because they very quickly end up trapped and, and, and leads to, to failure. And having a weak leader, leader who is paranoid about what other people think is disastrous. See, the last thing that we need is little men or little women in big jobs, in big positions. Or as someone perhaps more poetically put it, when little men cast long shadows, it is a sign that the sun is setting. You know, it's, it's very easy to choose leaders based on intelligence or speaking ability or biblical knowledge. And although all these things are good and actually in many ways very important, we would be wise to remember the words of the 19th century pastor, Robert Murray McShane. He says, it is not great talent God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. And not everyone is called to be a Nehemiah, but some of you are called to be Hananiahs and Hananiahs and to work and to support and to stand with God-given leaders to get the job done well and to get it done right. And God is looking for faithful, God-fearing men and women who will have the courage to serve him through thick and thin, who will be pillars within this church, who will stand with strength and dependability. And this is the one of the things that I've been, been praying for, that God is going to raise up godly men, godly women, who will be strong pillars within Freedom Church, who will show real leadership and dependability and strength. And of course I am beginning to, to build teams within freedom and as you know Mark's been working first for about 12 months now and so I meet with Mark and I meet with, with, with Peter normally once a week to pray together, to spend time worshipping sometimes but also just to talk things through and talk things through together but also I'm beginning to meet monthly with, with a few of the other guys with, with Kambalani and Andy and, and Paul along with Mark and, and Peter. And like Nehemiah, it's so critical that I get godly men around me, supportive people around me. But, but obviously this group will, will almost certainly expand over, over time as we, we, we grow and we develop. But we need more men and women to, to step up into leadership roles. And pray, just pray for wisdom in this whole area. Pray that, that I just know God's godly wisdom as we, we move forward in this to make wise choices. To get the right people in the right places. The second thing that Nehemiah points are, are gatekeepers. You know, it's all very well having new gates in place, but they're not much good if no one is guarding them and controlling who is coming in and who is going out through the city. And gates and walls are only as good, good as those who, who guard them. 
you may, no, may have noticed that the, the gatekeeper was giving very specific instructions as to when they should open and also close the gates. And I really believe that God has called some of you to be gatekeepers in Freedom Church. And that involves both being welcoming, but also protecting. And these things go hand in hand as we encourage folks to come in to love and care for them, but also to, to watch out for them as well, to protect as much as care. And one of Freedom Church's values is to welcome and value everyone irrespective of their background. And it's so important that we have a big front door that everyone can come in, but also that we have a very small back door so that people just don't walk in and then walk straight back out again. And that happens sometimes. And we not need to make sure that we must be welcoming to each person here, that each, per, each one will be made to feel at home, to be loved, to be cared for. So they'll find a place where they can they can find both comfort and rest, but also a place where they can also be able to minister and be able to grow in the things of God. And there's a sense in which we're all called to be gatekeepers. But some of you are specifically gifted in this area. And my hope is that a visitor to a Freedom Church will never feel alone or, or isolated. With our move to mornings, I've decided to make a, just a little change, particularly to this first Sunday of the, the month. And normally we would have some food afterwards together. But I want to encourage you, in fact, to challenge you and invite you to, to take and invite someone home with you each week. To, to think ahead, to plan this into your diaries and to invite someone. That'll be somebody you don't know very well. Get time with them, to spend time with them. Or perhaps even just cook a little bit extra each Sunday and Think, you know, if, if a new person comes here, if a, a new family arrives in here, you can invite them back with you so that you can get to know them a little bit better. I want to make sure that no one comes to freedom who, and, 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 eats, and eats alone. Obviously, we don't force people to come back because not everybody will want this. That's sort of wrong, I guess. But it's so important that we, we build friendship and we build lives together. It's a third group of people that Nehemiah appoints and, that are, and they are guards. And Nehemiah appoints two types of guards. The first are lookouts who patrol the city walls and the second are guards who watch near their homes. This is neighbourhood watch, Jerusalem style. And Nehemiah challenges and expects them to guard the area near to which they are living. And he is calling them to protect what they have built and what they have accomplished with God. And it's so critical that we, we don't allow any opportunity for the enemy to come in, to take over, to, to take back what we have already built and taken for God. And you need to be on your guard. There's a number of areas in which we need to, to guard ourselves. Partly we need to guard ourselves and, and part of that is guarding our minds to make sure we live with pure minds, that our minds are holy and blameless before God. And that involves what we, we feed our minds with. But also alongside that, it's so careful that we, we make sure that false teaching doesn't begin to creep in. We must test everything with God's word. In the day of the internet and podcasting and TV ministries, we need to be careful what we listen to. Just because someone calls themselves a preacher doesn't mean to say they're necessarily biblical or even speaking truth. And as a church, we need to, we need to watch over our minds, watch over what the teaching is out that we, we, we keep ourselves pure. So it both involves this purity of mind, but also making sure we have sound doctrine as well. 
but also as a church, we need to be watchers of the walls to warn when the enemy comes. The enemy of bitterness, the enemy of fear, the enemy of envy, the enemy of disunity. When those things are approaching, we need to we need to have those watchers warning us. We need the prophetic, we need the inter- intercessor to be praying, to be looking out, to be those watchers on the walls of, of our church. But there's also a third aspect to this and that is to protect our homes. Listen, encourage your children to worship. Encourage them to pray, both when you're together at home as a family, but also when you, when you come together as church together. Can I can I really encourage you, if you've got young kids, encourage them to sit with you. Model to them what it means to, to be worshippers together as a community in God's house, in God's, in God's place. And the, the reality is we are only really ever probably one, maybe two generations away from godliness. You know, a parent can know God, be passionate about the things of God, but a child can very quickly become a bit blasé about God's word, about about the things of God. Listen, within a third generation, it's quite possible that that generation may have forgotten about God completely and have become a godless generation. So pray together. Worship together as a family. Encourage one another in the things of God's word. Be on your guard. You see, Nehemiah puts these things in place because family matters and people matter to him. Verse 5. So my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials and the common people for registration by family. I found the genealogical record of those who had been the first to return. This is what I find written there. These are the people of the province who came up from the captivity of the exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken captive. They returned to Jerusalem and Judea, each to his own town. You know, Nehemiah loves lists. He's a little bit of a freak with this. In fact, I happen to, to live with someone just like that. My wife, Rachel, she, she also loves her list. Got a list for everything. A list for, for the, uh, when we go on holidays, we've got a long list of what we, we tick off before we go away. With Christmas lists, we have got lists about lists. It's, it's, it's actually a blessing and a, and a curse. You don't get something, if you've forgotten to do something, you didn't check the list, did you? You should have checked the list. And she's probably right, to be fair. But Nehemiah's desire to enroll the people by genealogies is not just a good idea of Nehemiah's, but rather this comes straight from the very heart of God. In your Bibles or on the screen in front of you, you will see this long sections. And these are the names of the Jews who first returned to Jerusalem from exile in Babylon. And for, for the Israelites, these genealogies mattered enormously. It proved their place as part of God's people. It gave their identity as part of God's family. These people are God's bridge from the defeats of the past to the hopes of the future. And this list contains people of faith and courage. Not dissimilar to what we read about in in Hebrews chapter 11. And there are ten different groups of people mentioned here. 
Each one of them retained their own identity. They knew who they were, where they came from. They were not ashamed about it. Friends and clans are mentioned, priests and Levites, temple singers, even animals are mentioned. There are tens of thousands of people. But this is a lot less about counting people, but realising that every person counts. They were all important in the work. They were prepared to make huge sacrifices, to risk everything, to obey God, to restore the walls of Jerusalem. These are pioneers of faith who trusted God to enable them to do the impossible. And genealogies are literally a lifeline that links the Jews to the heritage of the past, but also forward to Jesus Christ and an amazing hope for the future. And right through to you and to me today. And all this is made possible because of Jesus. Because of his death. Because of his resurrection. He opens up the way. In fact in Mark chapter 3 he radically explains this. And he radically turns everything upside down. When he talks about family. He says that true family wasn't his biological mother or father or siblings, but rather those who do the will of God. And Paul takes this and he he adds and explains it in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 7 by saying, those who believe are children of Abraham. In other words, Israel. So don't, don't look at these as boring lists of names or boring verses. Instead, read these and remember that you, these are your spiritual ancestors. This is your family tree. Thank God that through faith, you're part of this people, God's people, God's family. This is your identity. You know, all of us have an identity that we, we hold on to. I'm from Northern Ireland, very proud of the fact that I'm an Ulsterman through and through. And, and this accent, is, it's not something that I, I've put on. I've been practicing it for many years, but I never want to lose it. I, I don't want to lose my accent. I don't, I don't want to lose my roots or where I've come from. It's, it's so important to me. But listen, there's only one identity that is truly important, one that is truly worth fighting for. And that is the identity that I have in Christ. And in the family of God. And you know, you can be part of God's family and find your true identity in him today. You can be born into his family today by receiving his son, Jesus, as your saviour and as your guarantee. And it's so important that you are sure that you are part of the family of God. That you know, you know what, God God is so much less concerned about your first birth. And he is passionate that you become born again, born into his family. Because only then will you find your true identity. Only then will you know where you truly belong. Because then your name will be written in heaven. Eternal life will be your inheritance. Listen, you can know Jesus today. When you come to him by faith, it means repenting, turning from your sin and coming, coming to God. Accepting that Jesus died for you, that he rose again, that he loves you. And you come by faith and put your hope and your trust in him. You see, you are important to God. And he wants to use ordinary people just like you and me to carry out his purposes and his plans. And God is looking And still looking for people who are willing to take a risk for him. But but listen, never forget, unless the Lord builds the house, the builder labours in vain. 
Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. This is God's work. God is the master builder who rebuilds ruined lives. He's the one who heals broken people. He is the provider of new beginnings and and nothing, nothing will stop him. He will keep his work going. Despite all the difficulties and all the delays in the rebuilding, worship was restored in the temple and worship was restored here in Jerusalem. You know, it took 94 years for that to happen. 94 years from the very first exiles returning to Jerusalem and Nehemiah finally rebuilding the walls and setting the gates in place. 94 years. But even in those quiet times and those quiet years, God was at work. He's raising up people, people like Nehemiah. He's raising up godly men like Ezra, prophets, Haggai and Zechariah who will speak to the people. God is at work and no matter what seems to be going on, no matter how difficult things may seem to be or how great things may seem to be, God is able to accomplish his purposes if you trust and obey him. And God wants to use you. And Nehemiah is proof of this. And so are you. So as we move forward, it's a significant day as we move to mornings, as we make some changes within Freedom Church. My prayer is that you find your place here. And some of you called to be leaders, to be gatekeepers, to be guards. But each one of you have got a function and a purpose to do. But more than anything else, God has called you to love, to obey and to serve him. Listen, the greatest calling over each one of our lives is that we are worshippers of the true and living God. That's my prayer. I pray it's your prayer for yourself as well. Let's pray.